Everyone doing all right this morning? Sorry, we're a little uh, behind on the bagels, but uh, that'll keep you anticipating. I won't stay up here too long. You start throwing knives at me uh, before you can get to your bagels. Um, so you'll see we are in Philippians 4. We're going to look at verses 2 through 9, but we're not going to look at all of those. Um, you all should have my message notes here. We're going to go through this in, in really deep detail today, so we should be done around 3. Um, no, actually, that's not true. I, uh, some, of you, um, some of you know I'm enrolled at Dallas Seminary. Uh, you probably thought it was the one in Texas. It's not. I actually am in Dallas Shaw Seminary, and that's the genesis of your notes this morning and the 85 slides and 14 subparts I'm going to be doing now. Where's Dallas? We joke because we love. I couldn't do what Dallas does. I know I'd hurt myself, so I, 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 look, I love it. Um, no, the reason I have uh, these notes here is I'm not going to actually go through everything today um, in any detail in this entire verse. So what I did was give you the benefit of, of, of my thoughts, and, and they're less uh, than what you paid for them. Um, but something there to think about, because I want to focus today on what these verses, uh, on one issue that these verses uh, really clearly address that I think is active and alive in all of our lives. Um, and, that, and that issue is worry. So before we launch into worrying, let me open us up in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day and this time to gather together. We thank you, Lord, that your promises are always everlasting and real, Lord. We thank you that you are present in our lives. And we ask, Lord, that you send your spirit here today, that you would guide us for every word spoken here. Not just from here, Lord, at this uh, pulpit here, but uh, around this whole room. Lord, bless us in this day and in this time together. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. All right, so begin with, let's see, where is my... Okay. We're not going to talk, as I noted, I noted about Eodia and uh, Syntyche, um, but there's some stuff in your notes on, on them and Clement and the rest of that. What I want to do is jump right ahead to verse... And verses 4 and 5, because these are, uh, in, in these verses, Paul is actually beginning the conclusion of Philippians, the conclusion of he's starting his descent, if you will, um, dropping the wheels down and coming into land. Um, and he starts here, and uh, in, in what we're going to look at today was sort of some general instruction, and he's going to shift then back to uh, talking about himself as an example. And Paul is not arrogant. Paul is not some guy who just likes to, as Richard, I think, touched on last week, talk about himself. He lived these examples, and um, Joe will be touching on that next week, and that really begins with verse 9. So um, let's start now, though, and look at verses uh, 4 and 5. <coughs> so here we begin with verse 4. 4, rejoice in the Lord always again, I will say rejoice. As I noted there in your notes, uh, the, the word that Paul uses for rejoice here, karite, uh, means to be glad. Um, it means what you would probably expect it to be. Um, but it's of happiness. It's not a sense of the happiness I would get, for instance, if um, somebody left a Harley Fat Boy in my driveway and I got to ride around on it all day. That would be conditional happiness. Um, this is Paul talking about rejoicing um, unconditionally. We might understand it um, as a sense of having the great comfort that God is in control 
and independent of what happens and not because of what happens is why we have this joy. So uh, he starts off with this rejoice in that, in that respect and then um, talks about the gentle spirit, Epikes, uh, that we know God is ultimately in control, so we should act accordingly. And that means, um, and when he, when he, what he's talking about there is acting in, in, in mercy, in lenience, in tolerance towards one another and towards others, okay? And I really feel like in our world today, we could use a little bit more of this. Um, there's nothing strange about what Paul's saying here and uh, that, we should, that should be unfamiliar to us because we have a world, obviously, that's suffering with many great divisions and many great difficulties. If we launch into that world with the same sort of aggression at which it oftentimes launches back at Christians, um, I think Paul's going to say that uh, that is not um, having a gentle spirit. Okay, but he also talks here uh, why. Why should we uh, rejoice? Why should we uh, have this gentle spirit knowing that God is in control? Because he says the Lord is agus. The Lord is near. <coughs> near here is not talking about some kind of actual or spiritual physical presence or otherwise. Um, he's not, you know, this is not a situation with the Lord is sitting across from you at Starbucks and gazing in your eyes and looking at you and saying, you know, waiting on your next word. Uh, this isn't sort of your personal bestie Jesus. This is a different near. Now, I'm not saying God isn't present in our lives in those ways. But for purposes of these verses, it's important to understand when he talks about near, he's talking about near from a time perspective. He's talking about the parousa. He's talking about um, the second coming. And that's important, I think, as we'll see. But now we're going to come to the, to the tough part. Uh, verse 6, Paul says, be anxious for nothing. Mary Manate. That's that word anxious. Worry, concern. So he's saying, don't worry. So do me a favor, raise your hand if you were born with an on-off worry switch. Nobody? Matt, Matt has one. I knew there'd be one in the bunch. That's awesome. I wasn't born with one. I can't just turn it off. Okay, I, I knew someone once, well now I know two people, who were born with an on-off worry switch, or at least... She claimed a woman that went to my previous church, she said to me one day, we were in a Bible study, and she said, I don't worry. I gave up worrying, you know, like she gave up cigarettes or something like that. And, and I, I sort of looked at her and said, well, what do you mean you gave up worrying? How do you just not worry? She's like, no, I, I don't worry. Um, and I remember she had some interesting life uh, circumstances that she was going through at the time, and, and there was a carnal side of me saying, honey, uh, you need to worry a little. Um, God held my tongue. But apart from her and apart from Matt, I don't know anybody who says, I just don't worry. And I don't know where you are with this. Um, so what do we do with this? Be anxious for nothing. Paul's imperative. He, that word is in the imperative. In other words, he's telling you, you got to do it. You should do it. He's not saying, you know, you won't. He's saying you must. 
so what do we do with this? You know, what do we do with this with a loved one's cancer? Be anxious for nothing. What do we do when I just lost my job? Be anxious for nothing. My kid's in rehab center. Be anxious for nothing. My marriage is falling apart. Be anxious for nothing. My child is sick. My home's burned down. My car just died, and I have no money to fix it. My boss is a real jerk. My parents are old, and they're losing it. It's starting to sound like a country song here. And Paul says, be anxious for nothing. How? Um, I want to share very briefly here something that happened um, to me very recently uh, that, that made me think about this in a new way. I, uh, I had a, when I was a kid in elementary school, uh, we came back from South Africa and um, lived in a neighborhood up in Connecticut, and there were kind of these two gangs of boys, you know, like, you know, how old were we, Ten, nine, ten-year-old boys in the neighborhood. And, um, and, and we were like the tough guys. But there were two, two women. I'm going to call them Thelma and Louise um, because that's kind of who they were. Two girls that actually ruled the roost. They were tough. Uh, I remember one summer, as uh, um, summer was coming to an end, they decided, I'm just going to rub poison ivy all over me, and then we won't have to go to school because we'll be sick. <laughs> I, I learned then that there is something worse than school. Um, I thought about trying that for Greek, but I don't think I'm going to. Anyway. Um, but I heard from, and, and, and my mom, she, she was a close, she, her family was a close friend of our families, and I heard from my mom, and she said, you know, you need to call Thelma um, or touch base with her or something. She's not doing well, and her mom just died. And so I reached out, and, and I did what we all do in this age and went straight to Facebook. Um, and she was, uh, we were friends on Facebook, and I sent her a message, and I said, how are you doing? Uh, you know, I heard your mom passed away. Are you okay? Um, I asked that question, how are you doing? And um, I got a response. And the response I got was, well, yeah, my mom and I were really close. It's, it, it's, it's really, I'm taking it really hard. I'm getting through the days, but it's okay. Um, beyond that, well, how am I doing? Um, my husband and I are divorced because uh, I had to call and have him arrested after he beat me for the last time because he can't control his alcohol. Uh, I have um, the same disease my mom had, multiple sclerosis. I have the skinny gene. Uh, I am deteriorating from it, and I don't know that I'm going to be able to keep custody of my beautiful 11-year-old daughter. I'll have to say, I don't know what to, didn't know what to say at that point. I mean, I went back and forth with her, and, uh, and I was saying, I'm praying for you, of course, and, and, uh, and I'm sorry about this, and, and you know. Um, and then I went out for a walk one night, and uh, I was walking down my street. It was my time. I kind of go out late at night, sometimes as late as 11, and just walk and try to find time with God. Um, and there was the wind going through the trees, and it was, it was beautiful. And I heard an owl. I mean, you all, any of you have owls around your house? Yeah, that's a, that's a very pronounced creature. Um, yeah, <laughs> and uh, that did not sound like the owl at my house. Um, <laughs> You know, I, and, and, and you could smell the breeze. You could smell, I looked up in the clouds. You know, we've had all this rain lately, and it's one of those nights where the clouds are kind of, the sun's, the, 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 it's starting to clear, but the clouds are wisping across and behind it the sky. And I was just overwhelmed. It was like a complete Romans 120 moment, right? 
it was a complete moment where I was like, the evidence of God is all around. And I, it, it struck me, or God actually put in my head with a, with a hammer and chisel, that in my discussions with Elma, um, and in many of my discussions that I have with so many people, when they're going through trials and hard times, I had answered with, I'm sorry, and, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I didn't say I can't imagine because I've had a dear close friend tell me, no, you don't want to when he was going through something <laughs> really difficult. But as I looked at it, I realized what I had done was put a frame around all of her problems and magnified the frame and made it thicker. And it was like we were both standing there in, in, you know, in, in a museum or something, staring at this picture of everything that was hard, everything that was difficult with her life, and going, yeah, that's terrible. And in that frame, we forgot to see anything behind it. We could not see, I was not seeing, that there is someone much bigger and who cannot be contained, locked out by that frame, in control of everything. Um, there's a God who can never be framed, who is all-powerful, and who promises a new and everlasting, uncontainable life of our own. But if we can't look beyond the frame, we're not going to see him. And we're not going to have any clue what Paul's talking about here when he says, don't be anxious. We're going to do what I do. What? No worry? What do you mean, no worry? Now I'm, now I got another worry because I'm unbiblical because I'm worrying. What about this? You missed the picture. I am not saying, by the way, that we don't empathize. I'm not saying that I did something wrong by saying I'm sorry about what you're going through. We have to be empathetic. We have to be compassionate. That's what we're called to do as Christians. But what I am saying is when we direct our focus and when we help others direct their focus, we need to be careful that that focus is directed not here, but there. So I'm forced to ask myself, and I'm going to ask you, what's in your frame? There's a frame around a phone. A frame around a windshield. What's in your frame? What's, what's capturing your, your attention? What worry? What anxiety? What, what things are really... Um, overwhelming you today, I found this yesterday. Misery is all the rage in a nice frame. Seemed to speak uh, volumes to me. And what does Paul say? So I'll come back to Paul's imperative. He says, be anxious for nothing. And as Joe Terry, Terry loves, I love this question he always asks, yes, but how? Um, like I said, I don't have a toggle switch for worry. Paul doesn't leave us with nothing. He just gives us a command. Uh, he's not one to give us a command we can't follow. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Give it to God. We hear that word, those words a lot. Give it to God. And Paul means it. Give it to God. Psalm 55:22 Cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you he will never allow the righteous to be shaken. 1 Peter 5:6 through 7 Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God isn't necessarily looking for a laundry list of all your needs in this world here. 
He already knows them. Now, what he's saying is, trust me. So we have to ask ourselves, do you trust him enough not to worry? That's really hard. I had almost a hard time, like it's hard for me to get up here because, you know, but I had a hard time talking today because I, I felt, can I even come up here and speak and not be hypocritical whenever you have an opportunity to, to be blessed by an opportunity to share what you see in the Bible? The worst thing you can do is stand up there and talk about something that you do yourself. So I admit and openly admit to you, I still struggle with worry. I struggle with trusting God. I struggle with all these things. But that doesn't change the truth of what Paul's saying. Do you trust him enough to let your requests be known to him and accept his will, whatever response he gives? And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, you can't know this peace by focusing on your intellect and your understanding of what's going on. Whenever we ask this question, why, oh God, we reveal that we ask out of our own power of comprehension. And we ask about that which cannot possibly be comprehended apart from our Lord and Savior Christ. We can't comprehend the peace of God until we lay it on him. So, know God. Pray, petition, and focus on his works and not, not our own worries. So again, I ask, what's in your frame? <coughs> Paul closes this section, and I'm going to close up here in a sec. Um, by painting a very clear picture of that which reflects what we cannot possibly comprehend with the frame of our mind. And these are a little bit about what I talked about before in some respects, similar to when I talk about Romans one twenty, when I see the evidence of God all around me in creation, but there's a multitude of other ways God is working in our lives that are, are not necessarily physical. And he talks about it um, in verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. In all of this, we see each of these things, subtle glimpses of the God who is in control. So Paul's not just saying this because he wanted to turn a pretty phrase. All of these things we see, if they're working in our lives, a God who's taking over our lives and is allowing us the power not to be anxious. Now why? Um, that's why. That's the frame. That's the God who was not contained. Well, actually, that's the frame of the God that could not be contained because that was, was left over if we were to stand there today. True source of our peace in God comes not necessarily from the good which he has created in our world, of course. The true peace from him comes from that which physics and time cannot hold. Pain and suffering can't bind. Death cannot contain. One of my favorite verses is Hebrews 13:18. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what we have in store for us. That's how we will be. No matter what our circumstances are today, the fact that we have a day to live 
the fact that no matter how bad our life may be, we, we have given the opportunity. God is good and life is good because we've given an opportunity to know God and to be in eternity with him. That's the thing we should be focusing on. So yes, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Some discussion questions for you. What's in your frame? Identify one or two things that you consider of the of this world and what's causing you some level of anxiety. Talk about these things. Let's, let's, let's deal with them. Let's own them. Uh, what's beyond that frame? What evidence of God in your life are you possibly overlooking? And, and what does it mean to rejoice? Think about those things and you can talk about them. I'm just going to close us very quickly in prayer. Father God, thank you that you are in control, Lord. Thank you that because of who you are, we have every reason to rejoice and no reason to be anxious. Father, help us every day to guide us in that light. We ask this in your precious son's name. Amen.